Hey everyone, welcome back to Nesson Films, the podcast where we discuss film and TV news. I'm your host, Vanessa. Um, this is episode 15, yeah, so, you know, it's been a long time that I've been doing this. I'm gonna try a new thing where I don't edit these episodes. Um, I don't know, I, I might just, like, look back on the episode and make sure, like, the audio was correct and everything, uh, but, like, I don't know, I feel like editing it just takes away from... I don't want to say like how natural feels, but yeah, I'm going to try not to like edit them. I don't even edit them that much, but a lot of the times I take like longer breaks and then I try to shorten those. But yeah, I think without editing, I think I might be a little, get a little bit better at, yeah, just like talking naturally about whatever I'm talking about. So yeah, let's test it out for this episode, see how it goes. Well, I mean, when I say edit, I'm going to edit the audio and stuff like that. I just mean like I'm gonna just continue talking and then I won't edit it that way. Um, there may be some, I might stop the recording every once in a while to make sure like I'm moving on to the correct, uh, news piece that I want to talk about. But anyways, yeah, you guys get what I'm saying. You guys are smart enough to understand what I'm saying. So yeah, what do I want to start out with talking about? Um, I might talk about some projects that I'm, um, working on, I guess. Um, also, this is kind of, like, random, but, um, <laughs> I thought I'd mention it at first just because, like, it kind of connects to film and TV, but anyways, like, um, the Just for Laughs, like, comedy festival is happening in Toronto, and I really, really wanted to go see Patty Harrison's show. I've heard really good things about it. I, I'm a really big fan of her work, um, and, of course, uh, her infamous Twitter scandal with, uh, Nilla Wafers, but, um, <laughs> rest in peace to her Twitter account. Yeah, so, like, I, I really wanted to go to her show, and I kept putting off buying tickets because I'm an idiot, and I'm like, oh, I'm sure they'll have tickets left over, and so, like, anyways, I, <laughs> yeah, I was like, okay, whatever, I'll buy them closer to the day. I checked Ticketmaster, gone. They're all gone. All four shows sold out. I'm like, this is literally awful for me. So, yeah, um, I was like, I kind of gave up. I was just like, I don't think I'm going to get tickets. Um, so anyways, me and Juan, um, the friend, the, the infamous Juan of the fr friend of the podcast. I didn't know what I was trying to say there. Friend of the podcast. That's what I was trying to say. Um, yeah, so we went out and I kept making jokes about like running into Patty around the city just because like she was here for four days. She was probably going to be like walking around and stuff like that. But like, I was just making jokes about it. And I was like, I was like, um yeah, maybe she's, like, right behind us right now. And anyways, um, we, we were just, yeah, we were downtown, we went to eat, and then after we went to Spirit Halloween, because we are trying to think of costume ideas for Halloween. We just, like, have no idea what we want to be, um, and so, yeah, uh, I, I know Halloween's, like, in a month, but you have to start planning early. And so, yeah, like, um, yeah, like, I, I guess we were, we were at, I guess, no, we were there, we were there, we were at Spirit Halloween, and, like, I, I don't know, I think I was just, like, talking to him, and then, like, I looked to my left, and I'm like, okay, anyway, and then I look back to Juan, and then we pause our conversation, and he's like, is that not her? Like, is that not Patty? And then I look, and it's literally her. Um, She was buying props for her show, and, like, I was like, wait, this is so weird. Like, we were... We, we we kind of like manifested it because we were just like making jokes about it all weekend and like um 
yeah, like on the day we were out in downtown and I really wanted to go. And I was just like, oh, I guess, I guess I have to like give up now because like they were all sold out. And so after she like made her purchase, I like went up to her and I was like, hey, I don't want to bug you, but like, could we get a picture? Um, and she was like, yeah, like, uh, I'm just, I, I was just like buying props for the show, whatever. And then, um, yeah, uh, after I, I don't remember how this came up, but I was like, oh, I tried really hard to get tickets, but you know, like it's sold out. And she's like, oh, I'll just, I'll comp you guys. So she just like gave us tickets for the show that night. Um, yeah, basically I, I guess we can consider like guest list, whatever. Um, yeah, she just gave us like two tickets and I was like, that's actually it was just so weird how everything happened the way it did. Um, anyways, it was really nice. Um, and it was just like such a weird, I don't know, like when you think something's gonna happen and then it does, <laughs> it just, there's nothing more jarring than that. But anyways, um, yeah, so we saw the show. It is, I like, there were certain parts of the show where I was like in tears because I was laughing so hard. I don't even want to like spoil it, but like if you like follow her on Instagram, like you've seen like pictures that people have taken at the show. Um, it's, it's just, it's literally like one of the funniest things you'll ever watch in your life, but also like one of the craziest. Um, and so I think, yeah, when I'm recording it, today is technically the last day. So unfortunately, if you missed it, you missed it. Um, and also they're sold out. Um, but yeah, like I <laughs> I think I'm, I was a little bit more aware of like Patty's comedy. And plus, like I knew I knew she did this show at like other festivals. I'm sure it's different than than um, what she did at these other festivals. But like, I guess like the, the premise is similar, um, obviously. And it was just like... The, the things that she could come up with like so quickly is so impressive and I just had an incredible time and it was my first comedy show I've never been to a comedy show before um I don't really I'm honestly like not the biggest of like biggest fan of tradition quote-unquote traditional stand-up whatever that means but like I don't know I, I like when for example like I watched Kate Berlant's um special a couple of days ago or like maybe like a week ago or whatever and like the inclusion of you know like like her including her acting skills in that is like what I enjoyed like I don't necessarily just like when someone's just like straight up like talking um and so that's what like what's really special about someone like Patty's quote-unquote stand-up is that it's like it's stand-up it's anecdotes it's acting it's singing it's visuals and so yeah and then she's like there's a part where she's like reading a script that she wrote and it's so it's it's literally insane it's so hilarious but like that's what I like I like those kinds of comedy shows and so like I'm definitely I don't know I, I now that I have experienced that type of like comedy show live I feel like it's just one of the f coolest things that you can actually experience and I'm definitely gonna try to go to more I wish I went to more um I think the festival ends like on the 30th so I still have a couple more days but I don't necessarily know if I'm gonna end up going to any but anyways you know, it just, it felt serendipitous. Um, I hate that word so much, but that's kind of how it felt. So anyways, that's my story about how I met Patty and how I ended up going to her show. Um, yeah, so there's a lot of news, a lot of really, really good news that I'm really excited to talk about. But of course, this is the moment in the episode where we do a little rant. We open with a question slash rant. And again, I, I always, I try my best to like, 
make up a question that will directly relate to a news piece for the week or at least something that has come up within the week. I try to make it, them connected and cohesive. And so my opening rant, it's not really a question, but I literally just wrote down in my notes, leave Scorsese alone, he's right. And um, I don't know, I feel like if you only watch superhero movies, like you need to be killed. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but like, anyways, um, not even superhero movies, like franchises, but anyways, continuing on. So he did like kind of like a profile interview, whatever you want to call it with GQ. And I think he really, really just, I don't know, he, he brought up valid concerns regarding the way studios operate now and how they do only have a preference for franchise films and how the prioritizing of these franchise films, these quote-unquote temples, is definitely pushing out other kinds of films. So the indie, smaller, mid-budget films. And if you think of it, he's right. Like, a lot of mid-budget films, they don't get theatrical releases or they get made really shoddily and then they get put on a streaming service and then everyone forgets about them. And a lot of the times, the people that are making those films, they don't necessarily want to make them, like, poorly it's just the way that things go and um yeah they're not necessarily given the proper resources um a lot of the times they are up and coming yeah like up and coming or like newer people on the scene and they just have to deal with whatever they are given and so that's one of the concerns he has again so he was just saying that like he is really concerned about how studios only want to uh, like you know make comic book movies, franchise movies, etc. And yeah, he 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 brought up how this is kind of training like audiences to only expect these kinds of films. So franchises, comic book movies at the movie theater, they're not going to watch comedies, rom-coms, um, indies, dramas, you know, like these are the types of films that they are completely skipping over because they're only going to see a quote-unquote, like, I don't want to call it an event, but like, yeah, they're saving up their money to only see these kinds of films and they're only going to watch, like, these large studio franchise films. And I don't know, like, you can't argue with him. Like, he is right because if you look at, yeah, like, if you look at, I don't know, just the state of the industry, but specifically, like, the box office landscape right now, you will see that he is correct, like, just looking at the numbers and how it is distributed. And, of course, like, franchise films, a lot of times they do poorly, but that it doesn't matter if they are still taking up the space of other films that can also be existing within the theater at the same time. Um, and so, yeah, he, he, there's a quote that I actually, like, want to read. Um, he said, he said, there are going to be generations now that think movies are only those. That's what movies are regarding, you know, these like comic books, franchises. That's what they're being trained to expect. And he's right. Like, I think that a lot of people who only go see certain types of films in the theater are really like annoying. Um, and I don't know. I don't, I blame studios a lot, but I also blame audiences. Like you can have the preference to go to whatever you want to see in theaters and if you're only choosing one kind of film, you are part of the problem. But also, it is, at the end of the day, it mostly is the studio's fault. Because again, the mid-budget film is kind of like disappearing. And mid-budget films can easily make back their budget with the proper marketing, etc. And they, those just like don't exist. They're being put on like streaming services. The amount of movies that are coming out 
at the end of this year that are going on Netflix when, with proper marketing, they could have been in theaters and actually, like, you know, give some money back to the studio and, like, could have actually made a profit is so concerning. <laughs> like, it's just, ah, oh my god, I don't know. Like, it's just, ah, um, it kind of makes me want to scream. So, it's just, like, I don't, I, I don't know. He, he often talks about like mortality in his interviews and he's like, I only have like two films in me left. I'm not going to be here soon. And like, it really makes me sad because like he is kind of one of the people in the industry that is really, really like holding on to cinema as an art form with an insane amount of love and appreciation and admiration. And I just feel like it's just so annoying that people are trying to fight him on this when he is just 100% correct because the state of the box office is just awful and the theatrical the state of the theatrical release is just awful and seeing people try to be angry about what he's saying is actually insane because you just have marvel or disney brain at this point it's just like i feel like acknowledging that he is right you could still enjoy those films but it's like you have to acknowledge that he is correct. Like, you you can't deny that he is right about the state of the industry and the state of the box office, etc. Because audiences have been trained to, like, watch 400 things within a franchise in order to understand one film. And that's not necessarily what cinema is supposed to be. Of course, like, sequels have always existed and stuff like that, but standalone films kind of deserve to be standalone films and indie films and dramas whatever indie is classified as and like romance films like those deserve to have a theatrical spot as well and the studios preferring like ip driven shit or like franchises is definitely ruining a lot of audiences brains um as seen by you know people like trying to be mad and being like what Scorsese said that these movies don't have any heart or like human emotion in them and then they have like a screenshot of like Blue Beetle and like are you hearing yourself right now anyways so yeah I do want I do I did want to like just bring that up and talk about it a little bit because it is news like it is something that's happened recently regarding the profile but also I actually just looked at my notes 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 and I remembered that I needed to talk about this but like warner brothers literally wanted to make the departed a franchise which is insane to me like i don't like why why it's just i don't know but anyways um team scorsese anyways let's move on to i guess happier news i guess we can consider this happier news for sure so we did it i love good news okay so the WGA, so the Writers Guild, and the Alliance of Motion Picture and Television Producers, they announced that they've come to a tentative agreement. So it's a provisional three-year agreement. And this was actually announced on Sunday. Yeah, so Sunday. Um, and again, this is going to need to be like confirmed by the WGA in order to take effect. But Essentially, it was announced on Sunday that they've come to, like, a tentative agreement. It's most likely going to happen. It's most likely going to be signed. But, yeah, that's that's where we are right now. The, the deal hasn't really been, like, 
discussed a lot like there aren't necessarily details that we know as of now as of when i'm recording it um of this recording this episode i should say and so yeah the we don't know a lot of the details but i'm sure that a lot more news will start coming out you know um as the days go on because of course the union needs to convince its members that this is a great deal and we need to go with it so the deal exists it just hasn't necessarily been quote-unquote confirmed um but i think we are in a good really good spot and i think it is going to happen and it's going to pass you know this strike has been going on for months and i feel like everyone is just so tired but the wga like the members of it that like are part of the quote-unquote like negotiation process have said that it's a really really good a really really good deal and i think that most of the members are going to agree to it and i'm really excited to just see what this deal entails but also i'm just excited to have you know the writers doing what they love to do which is writing and um that's not to say they didn't like necessarily stop writing it's just like nothing was in production during the strike and now that you know like it when this deal gets signed they're going to be able to start writing again and films and shows are going to be in production um due to the fact that um you know the writers are allowed to write and a lot of shows will be coming back again soon is really exciting of course the sag is still on strike but I think knowing that, yeah, just like knowing that the Writers Guild got a good deal, I think SAG is up next. Like, it's going to happen soon. I, I have a feeling. It's just, oh, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's been so long. And I really just want these people to, you know, have decent wages and, uh, and you know, decent salaries with some insurance like i feel like they're not asking for much like they're they get, provide us with so much entertainment like give them what they need in order to survive um yeah so i'm just glad that it's that it's you know moving forward and of course i do think the sag is up next like it's gonna i feel like i feel like it'll happen soon and uh yeah there, there's some there's some news regarding this tentative agreement that um that i'm gonna get to right now or actually not right now i think a lot of people so basically like i you probably heard about how like drew barrymore like her show uh was filming like premiering and stuff like that because mm, i don't know if it was premiering but it was filming and i'm gonna assume they dropped some episodes i should probably double check that but anyways yeah so they filmed uh some episodes of her show even though the writer's strike was still happening and so people were calling out her out like hey like why are you on air or what not i keep saying on air but like you know what i mean like why are you like filming when the writers without writers like the writers are still on strike and then she you know she you know like she's like oh well you know this is uh whatever she, she made a bunch of excuses and you know and then after she did an apology video and she stopped they stopped filming and then literally like a couple of days later the deal was reached and i don't know a lot of people are like why didn't she wait and it's, like, not, like, this may be a little, like, controversial, but it's, like, I'm kind of glad she didn't because I feel like this kind of proved that the 
WGA was really like holding strong and they were not going to let anyone cross that picket line really and they were proving that no one could get away with you know again crossing that picket line so in a way like I'm kind of glad that she kind of quote unquote did cross that picket line because um I shouldn't even say quote unquote like she literally did but or I don't even want to just say she I think like the whole show the 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 show as like a holistic like being <laughs> it definitely did cross that picket line and I don't know I think it just proves that like oh shit like people are really upset about this people are reacting to this like we need to sign this deal um because you know no one's gonna be able to film anything um because people are have strong feelings about this so yeah like I don't know I I, I think that maybe it showed they definitely like made an example out of her and I don't know I, I I'm just glad that this deal is being reached finally um um I don't know why I said that anyways um um yeah so regarding like what can come back if the deal goes through which it most likely will yeah so a lot of like sketch shows are most likely going to be coming back just because of the way they operate so I think SNL will probably be Saturday Night Live uh will most likely be coming back at the end of October uh for season 49 if the deal goes through and it most likely will again um yeah so I guess things are looking a little bit more clear for shows like that and honestly like I need to live my truth as an SNL enjoyer I think the last season was really, really impressive and really funny and really good and all the hosts were pretty good. I I mean, it sucks that like it ended when it did because I feel like it was really hit it, hitting its stride. But like the whole season was just really funny and they they had a lot of like fun new characters and a lot of like ideas that were really, really just, you know, like made people start talking and I... SNL is like one of those shows where it's like oh SNL is not good anymore it was only good when I used to watch it like there's only like certain times when it was good and it was always like when that specific person who's critiquing it watched it and it's like that's not necessarily how anything works but anyways I've I've liked it um I don't know I I know that it's it has I mean it has its moments there's some skits that I just like I'm not feeling so I might skip them but for the most part, I think it's really entertaining and good. And it's always nice to see these, like, celebrities. A lot of times, like, celebrities that aren't used to, like, skits or, like, sketch comedy, like, in that situation. Like, seeing what they do is always really interesting. Like, the Lisa from Temecula skit was so good. I know they did two, but, like, the first one really was just, like, incredible. And, you know, like, Ego is just insane uh, like I'm really glad that she got like that moment um and then you know like Bowen like breaking character and just like throwing his fork because it was just yeah like it was just like a really fun idea and everyone was just like acting their asses off in this skit as much as they could considering that most of them were just like losing it um so yeah I I just that's like one of the skits from this season the past season I should say that really stood out to me but at the end of the day like I feel like overall was one of the strongest like seasons and I feel like a lot of people who've like been watching the show for a long time recognize that and like realize that that it just really 
there was just something about this season that was really fun and yeah um I think the cast is just really really good and they work really well together and I feel like this could be like a really special cast for sure and so yeah with that being said um it's looking to start airing again at the end of October and so I'm really really excited to see like who the hosts are because there are a lot of good movies that are coming out at the end of this year and so I'm excited to see who is going to be on SNL but I also know that like they can't if I mean I think SAG is up next but like I know that a lot of people can't be like promoting whatever um on SNL uh but I feel like they could just be on it without promoting. Um, that's kind of like the beauty of SNL. You don't necessarily have to like throw in what you're there for on whatever. Um, so yeah, let's move on to some news about the Toxic Avenger remake. So we actually got first looks recently. This film is, of course, as mentioned, a remake. But this time it is following Peter Dinklage, who is playing Winston Goose. He is a worker at Garbex Health. Uh, which is just like a company, a health company, and he falls into a pit of toxic waste and he goes through like a transformation and he becomes the Toxic Avenger. Anyways, so the cast includes Kevin Bacon and Elijah Wood. A lot of the first looks are really, really interesting. Like Twitter was kind of going nuts for this, these first looks, um, especially like Elijah Wood. He just... Elijah Wood has such a fun filmography. Like, he's always doing something weird. Um, kind of like, you know, how, like, Kristen Stewart and Daniel Radcliffe are always just having fun with whatever they're doing. Um, especially, like, recently. I think Kristen Stewart is really gonna, like, hit her stride with, like, just the project she's doing and, like, how she's, like, looking to direct and stuff like that. So, yeah. Um, first looks for the film... I don't know. I don't know much about the original, unfortunately. I am not, um, I'm not up to date with the Toxic Avenger lore, but yeah, they're remaking it. Uh, Peter Dinklage is such a fun actor to watch. Like, he really does command the screen, and I think, I think, like, him in this type of role will be really interesting to see how, um, yeah, just how, or, like, what he brings to this kind of character, for sure. And speaking of more first looks, I guess, um, Fargo is coming back to FX for its fifth installment. So this is an anthology series, so every season is different. So there's a new promo um, that got released for this show. And so this season, it stars John Hamm and Juno Temple. So John Hamm is, of course, playing Roy Tillman. He is a sheriff. And then Dot Lion is being played by Juno Temple. The characters are actually going to be set in 2019, so this series, it's set in 2019. Uh, the fourth installment actually took place in the 50s, and I think, yeah, I think that starred Chris Rock, um, which is interesting, like, it's going from, like, the 50s to 2019, but again, this is an anthology series, so everything is going to be different. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it, I don't know, I think, 2019 was an interesting year, so it'll be, like, interesting to see, like, what they do regarding, um, I don't know, bringing in, like, the politics of that year, etc. And, yeah, so, um, again, taking place in 2019, Roy Tillman is a sheriff, I think I might have mentioned that, uh, a North Dakota 
sheriff, I should say, and he has been searching for Juno Temple's character Dot Lion for a really long time. And then the teaser or promo or whatever, um, it basically just shows him walking into a, d a diner and he has a belt buckle on that reads a hard man for hard times. Um, so yeah, I, I mean, I really love, I love Fargo the film. I have not watched the series um, just because like, I feel like Fargo really is like an interesting series to like, or a movie, I should say, to like create a series or like an anthology series specifically um, about because I feel like there is kind of something there that could be translated into an anthology series regarding like a sheriff or like a cop trying to solve a crime. Like that's the basic premise, kind of like true detective in a sense, right? Right? Everyone tell me I'm right. Um, yeah, like I, I don't know. Like I think, I think it is kind of that type of film that could be turned into an anthology series. And I don't know, I think the Coen brothers like type of comedy or I should say dark comedy is really interesting to convert into an anthology series and that's one of the reasons why I really really love the Fargo film it's just yeah that like kind of comedy really just gets me or I get it I should say and so yeah um I think Juno Temple John Hamm working together or I mean John Hamm is like looking for her character so I don't necessarily like know how often they will be working together in this series but I mean I'm just saying like them as actors is going to be cool in this type of setting um yeah so I'm I mean it's definitely on my list I just don't necessarily know when or if I'll ever get to it um but yeah uh there's a new promo for it I think a lot of people are going to be like really excited about it because um a lot of people like anthology series it's kind of like it's the same but new if that makes sense but anyways um let's move on to some news about the office so greg daniels who was the the he what am i saying anyways so he was a co-creator on the original series but he also created or like developed the american version of the office he said that like before the, sh the writer strike happened they were developing um a reboot of the office the american version i should say and i don't know I, I feel like a lot of people have really strong opinions about this you know um all i'm saying is that like i, I don't know like i don't necessarily know what they mean by re reboot like i don't know if it's going to be like taking place in in an office setting and then there's going to be new characters and it might like follow um yeah it might like follow kind of like the same premise or if by reboot they mean like no here are the characters from the american version like here's michael here's pam here's jim you know like i don't necessarily know but i don't i don't know like i don't i don't even think i have strong opinions about this oh well, i shouldn't say that i kind of do let me explain let me explain i feel like as i mean if you're listening to this you probably know like i'm not the biggest fan of sequels reboots whatever the remakes whatever you want to call them or like the continuation and like the franchising of stuff like I'm not necessarily a fan of that like I like when things get to be you know like when things get to exist as their own entity and like you don't need a franchise or like a happy meal associated with everything if people understand what I'm saying but anyways um yeah like I, I don't sorry I think I just moved my mic um 
I, I don't know, like, I, I, that, in that aspect, like, I'm not, like, I don't, like, I don't think they should be doing this, like, I feel like it's cool to just be original every once in a while, like, I, I'm not saying that it's gonna be bad or good, it's just, like, you know, just why, like, why? Like, why do we need to be doing this when we could be just writing new things and creating new things and giving different perspectives and sharing different perspectives instead of just, you know, rebooting shit? Like, we could have so much and you are giving us so little, <laughs> that type of thing. Like, I don't know. It's just that, from that perspective, I don't necessarily care for this at all. Like, I do not, I hate reboots and stuff like that. So, from that standpoint, sorry, I think I almost just died from that standpoint. Like, I do not, like, I don't want it. But I feel like people are acting like The Office is the greatest show ever invented, and I don't think it's good enough for anyone to be doing all that. Like, I don't, like, I think, I do think it is special in a sense, but, like, I don't, I don't think it's, like, good enough for people to care this much about, like, it being rebooted, you know? Like, I, I, I mean, like, if you're gonna care about it because you want something original, yes, then I agree with you. But if you're saying, like, this is sacred, you shouldn't be touching it. Like, you need to grow up. Like, I don't, I don't think that's the truth. And I think you need to admit that to yourself. Um, it's just, yeah, like, I, I don't know. It, and also, like, every time someone talks about The Office, they're like, this could never be made today. It definitely very well could be. Like, it is not the edgy, like, humor that you think it is like it is it is so tame like grow up i don't know just the conversations surrounding the show are never serious and like i never want to partake in them but i did have to talk about the news regarding that um it is being rebooted whatever that means i have no idea but um if you think the office is like the greatest show ever made please watch other things like i don't i don't know anyways um oh Oh, sorry, there was one more piece of news that I wanted to share that I didn't necessarily get to write about, but literally, like, 10 minutes before I started recording this, they dropped the first trailer for May-December, which is the upcoming Todd Haynes film starring Julianne Moore and Natalie Portman, and it follows Natalie Portman's character, who is an actress, who basically goes to, like, quote-unquote, like, study um, the real-life person that she is playing, uh, who is... Julianne Moore. Um, yeah, so Julianne Moore's character is a woman who, when she was, I think, like, 36 or whatever, she was, like, she started a relationship with, like, a seventh grader or some shit like that. And I shouldn't, shouldn't say some shit like that. Like, let's have respect for the premise of the film. But yeah, that's basically what it is. And so, yeah, Natalie Portman goes to their house to study their relationship, study Julianne Moore's character, um, in order to, you know, like, yeah, just make sure she is portraying her correctly. Um, Charles Melton is playing, uh, Julianne Moore's partner in the film. I, I mean, I feel like, as with every, or most Todd Haynes films, um, a lot of people are talking about the performances, and I'm really excited to see the main three performances. I've heard really good things about them, and, like, why wouldn't you want to enjoy a film starring Natalie Portman and and Julianne Moore? Like, come on. <laughs> but yeah, I, I'm really excited about the performances. But above all else, like, I've heard that the film does a really good job at looking at the nuances regarding the 
relationship between Julianne Moore and like Charles Melton's character. And yeah, like I, I feel like it is a very discourse heavy subject. And when I say discourse, I mean conversational, not like the way people use discourse and think it automatically means a bad thing. No. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm just super excited to see the reactions to this film. I think it's gonna make some people's heads explode because they just can't fathom, you know, something being shown like this on screen. So I'm super excited for it. I yeah, like I I don't know. I think it's on Netflix, unfortunately. But I I mean it's in some theaters in November, but again, that's like three theaters. I just really, really wish that we could give movies like this the opportunity to have a theatrical release. I don't know. <laughs> I don't want to watch it on Netflix. But anyways, um, let's move on to the part of the episode where... Sorry, I got really tired. Um, <laughs> The part of the episode. This is basically like the ending where we talk about a show or movie that we just want to talk about rant rave we can like talk about why it's like good why it's bad maybe something we love something we hate something we have like no necessarily like strong feelings towards so yeah i kind of want to talk about like how i personally think that sex education really fell off so the new season or i should say the final season premiered a little while ago like a couple of days ago and i don't know i've just heard that it's like not very good it kind of lost the plot a lot of the characters are not present because they move schools or whatever i don't know i i haven't watched it and like i mean i think eventually i will get to it but just knowing that it's messy is kind of like really just like not making me feel excited for it at all and i don't know i i feel like i feel like there were some seasons of the show that i liked i don't think i liked the last one which is interesting um, because I feel like a lot of people did. There were certain elements. There were some episodes that I liked in the last season. But, like, overall, I just don't think it was a very strong, um, yeah, just, like, a strong season for the show. And so, like, I don't, like, I, I don't, I don't know. There was just, like, something that didn't click for me. And I've just, like, been reading things about the final season and i just something really went wrong like it definitely did fall off and um yeah in my notes i wrote the fall off of sex education which like i mean obviously i should have said the downfall but the fall off sounds just like it just makes sense like everyone knows what i'm saying like it just really fell off like so, like I just don't know. There were so many elements of the show that were so interesting to me. Like, why did they live in the woods? Why was there a bus stop in the woods? Why, like, why did Eric live, like, in the city, but, like, he biked to Otis's, I think, if I'm remembering this correctly, and then they went to school together? Like, wouldn't that just... I'm just, I'm just being like cinema sins or whatever whatever that is like right now like I'm just like being annoying about it but it's like there's like certain elements of it that just like never made sense to me and and then there's like Maeve or however you pronounce her name living in like a trailer park okay uh, sure um and also 
it's happened like multiple times with like Netflix shows that I've watched and I don't necessarily think this is Netflix's fault like I think it's just like something that happens in shows nowadays that like kind of is really really dumb but it's like there's a character that'll get like an abortion and then they just focus on it for one episode and then never talk about it again which is I don't necessarily think that's how it works in real life and I'm not saying I feel like I've had this exact conversation on this podcast before I think I have but I'm going to talk about it again because it's like actually something important and I feel like we need to address it but it's like I've, I think I've been moving really far back from the mic for that whole section. But anyways, what I'm talking about is, like, I don't, I don't think, like, you should be discarding that type of storyline or just utilizing it for only one episode because that's something that, like, sticks with people for their life in different ways, obviously. And I'm not saying, like, realism or, like, you have to be realistic and every show but if you are trying to portray something in that way you're not necessarily trying to you're not like making it a satire like an absurd like film and it is like more of a grounded film if that's like how you were treating like an abortion storyline i don't necessarily think you should be handling it um if that's how you choose to do it i don't know like it just feels really odd to me yeah i and also like i feel like what my favorite character is Amy. Like, just everything about her was really, really well done. Yeah, just, like, from her characterization to the, I guess we could say, like, the trauma that she faces after being, like, sexually assaulted is, it was just, I think it was, like, really, really, like, put together and, um, well thought out and, but they, I don't think they ever, like, really, really, like, lost the centrality to her character. Like, she still remade funny and stuff like that. So, um, yeah. Uh, I, 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 and also, like, I think it did a good job of, like, showcasing, like, female friendships to a certain degree. Um, I don't know. I think female friendships are always, like, a tricky thing to portray on screen because, uh, there's a lot of, like, misconceptions regarding that. But, again, I just don't, I don't know what went wrong like season three was interesting this final season i don't know like i feel like a lot of it's it's just like making no noise like i don't think anyone is really excited about it and i feel like the mixed reviews regarding it it's probably playing into that i'm usually not one to like care about that type of stuff but yeah i it definitely is playing a part in yeah it definitely is like playing a part in like how i perceive this next season um but i'll get to it eventually maybe i'll talk about it again and i'm not i'm not saying that i think it'll be like horrible but i definitely don't know if i'll enjoy it and i feel like the premise of the show is really interesting and i've heard that a lot of it changes in this final season so i'm not looking forward to it but nonetheless we will be seated eventually all right well i think it's time uh for me to like wrap this up um this is a film that's coming out this weekend. It probably has, like, advanced screenings because it is a larger, like, film. So, that's usually how it works. But, yeah. um, So, The Creator is a upcoming sci-fi film. It is directed by Gareth Edwards, who created the best Star Wars film. Um, You guys can fight me about that later. I shouldn't say he created it, but, like, he directed it. So, yeah. The Creator, it's set in the future. He co-wrote the screenplay with Chris White's 
Um, yeah, so it's set in the future. It showcases um, basically like a war between human and humans and AI. And John David Washington is the lead. Anyways, yeah, so his character is an ex-special forces agent. And he's recruited to kill the creator who has essentially developed a weapon that in order to like end the war they'll essentially destroy mankind and yeah so that'll eventually lead to the war because then humans aren't um there or yeah whatever like they're not they're not there because they're, they're destroyed so um i'm doing a really bad job at explaining this movie i i don't know i've heard really good things about it and um i've heard that it's a pretty well-made film which is something that we need to count on these days like it's really well lit and it looks nice and um i don't know if that's true because obviously i haven't watched it but i think if this is your type of thing and you like sci-fi and you liked rogue one you should probably uh you know check this out and support it and i don't know i know this is like a larger like quote-unquote blockbuster but i feel like it's an original premise and like you know, supporting these kinds of films is also really good for the box office and just, like, the whole landscape of the industry. So, yeah, check it out if you're interested. Um, I'm, I don't know what else to say, but a lot of really great movies are coming out in the next couple of months, and I know that, like, a lot of people, like, go watch films in the summer, but, like, if you have time, go check out something that, isn't necessarily a shitty movie <laughs> i don't know of course like to each their own everyone has their own opinions about movies but like whatever support 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 the cinemas and go see something that you probably wouldn't normally um but anyways bye